Hello, everybody. Welcome again to the Doomer Optimism podcast. Uh, today, uh, we have a special guest, Kimberly, uh, known on Twitter as Black Homesteader. Uh, it's great to have you, Kimberly. Welcome. Thank you. Nice, nice to be here. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I really wanted to get you on one because Doomer Optimism, you know, we focus a lot on homesteading. Um, we're really interested in farming and kind of alternative farming techniques, uh, like more agroecological farming techniques, uh, as well as just kind of building resilience and, you know, what are ways that we can make our communities more resilient and um, kind of get back to some of the tangible things in life in terms of like growing more of our own food and building community. And it seems like you're, you're you know, uh, that's that's what you're all about. And so it seemed, seemed like a great match. Uh, do you want to introduce yourself, talk about a little bit of your life story and, and what, you know, what led you to be, you know, uh, so into homesteading and, and promoting, you know, uh, farming in the black community and, and beyond? Yeah, so um, I'm originally from California. I live in Florida now and um, growing up, nobody grew anything. Um, although my mother's from Louisiana and she's from the country, we didn't grow up, you know, gardening or anything like that. So I definitely wasn't exposed at all growing up, but, um, and I always thought that I would kill plants and I, I really would. I would kill cacti, all sorts of things went before I even thought about growing stuff. So um, I love to travel and I ended up living in Berlin for a long time. And um, there I noticed that they have these little allotments. So they have the city, it's really busy. It's kind of like Brooklyn, but then you can buy this little allotment where you can grow stuff on and things like that. So I just kind of saw this. And then a girlfriend of mine back home was also growing stuff. So she had a garden. And then I saw my um, boyfriend's mom at the time with her garden and I thought, you know, maybe I should try, you know, and then coupled with that um, experience of just kind of being in this really like, um, I, I don't know how to describe it, this bohemian uh, environment of really kind of left-leaning folks who were sharing stuff and sharing things. And we were all just a bunch of like really poor expats. So I just thought, you know, this would be interesting if I could back maybe I can try to you know start growing some things and see what it does from there and so from there um, I ended up in Atlanta and thought okay let me just try so I had some stuff on a patio and I was just mostly focused on gardening at that point um, didn't really get into any of the other uh, things that I had been you know exposed to I didn't really know what the whole thing was at the point in terms of homesteading or what it was called and then you know thinking about the historical parts of homesteading and I just didn't it didn't occur to me this is what I was trying to get towards so um, I kept going and found a community garden and started just really getting into it and then also just meeting I met a master gardener who was local and so um, she was just teaching me about all of the different things that are happening in the community and stuff like that. And I was kind of involved locally with another uh, whole different kind of thing. It was called Southerners on New Ground. And they were kind of a queer led organization that was basically bailing women out of jail that had less than $500 bail. So I had these ideas in my head of just like, okay, community, food, starting to notice gardens, things like that. And so finally the push came when I, um, moved to Florida and uh, decided to kind of just start to really put these things together. Um, I had already at that time gone natural in terms of my hair and everything. So I was like making my own little beauty products. And then it was just like, oh, can I learn to make like bread or can I learn to make spices or tea or stuff like that? Like, what is all of this stuff? So for me, I, I basically call homesteading like how to pour, like how to really just be, uh, you know, to save your money to to grow your stuff and to not really rely on larger food systems and i think with the advent of covid that really pushed into a different space of people now really being interested in these topics so i just kind of kept going kept learning i really wanted to learn more about gardening so i took the master gardener course and doing that there and getting involved with helping people there but then I also started to notice that there were no people, at least that I saw at the time that, you know, were black. And now I realize that's not true. There's so many black people in this space. I mean, it's just like, oh, you just didn't know. But I felt like, okay, maybe, you know, naming it this, getting that, building that community, maybe that will come. And that's really what kind of happened for me was just like, 
just learning so much it wasn't just only about the gardening portion of it you can raise livestock you can you know there's alternative power sources and building and stuff like that there's just so much involved in it that for me it was just fascinating um so that's kind of how i got into it i know that's probably a long answer but that's the oh, journey that came <laughs> yeah that's great uh what uh you mentioned kind of alternative to you know the the major like the industrial food system Mm -hmm. What critiques did you develop in terms of kind of ma our mainstream, you know, agriculture and food system that, you know, that, that you thought, hmm, maybe this isn't so great after all? I think starting with the taste, moving to Europe and then coming back, I was just like, the food tastes awful. Is anybody else noticing that the food tastes awful here? <laughs> yeah. And so I stopped eating meat and, and dairy products for a long time because I just couldn't stand the taste of most of the things. And I'm just like, oh, I don't really know where any of this comes from. Um, I don't know what's in it. I started watching a lot of documentaries about the, um, the food agricultural system and big ag, and then what they're putting in those animals. And then you realize they're feeding these cows, these grains, and you're we're losing so much of our soil being pushed into um, beef production. And it's just like, okay, wow, how can I not be a part of that? So for me, it just started with the taste and it was just like, okay, something's wrong. And then just learning about like, why, why this tastes, tastes different. You know, what are the chemicals are they using on things? And then food shortages um, with COVID and things like that. And then prices, um, I started to notice I remember we had like the E. coli scares with lettuce and I was just like, I never want to have to buy lettuce from the grocery store ever again. So it was just lots of things with just taste and just realizing like something is just not right here. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you've, you've since, you know, you've, you've, you've taken the Master Gardener course, you're, you're on that track. Are you, are you a Master Gardener or are you, you're on that track or? No, I I finished in 2021, mm -hmm. so yep, been doing it now almost nice. two years. And what do you do? You specialize in anything, or do you kind of just do a little bit of everything, or do you do you specialize in a few things, or? My specialty has been vegetables and mm -hmm. other edibles, herbs and things, edible flowers. Um, but yeah, they teach you pretty much everything, um, trees, uh, tree knowledge, uh, basics on lawns and native plants and things like that and bugs and, and just that kind of stuff. Nice. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. How, what, what are some like, uh, uh, learning experiences with gardening that you've had? Cause I've, I've, I've certainly had some where, you know, something doesn't go according to plan and, and it gives you some new insight. Yes. Yeah. Care, care to my, go for it. My biggest experience here, because moving from state to state, that's when I really had to realize, okay, grow zones. So what are these? Where, when can I actually grow this at this certain time and what works for this? And so for me, moving to Florida, I thought, oh, well, you know, I have a full-time growing season now. And it's like, no, 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 no. You cannot grow year round in Florida. Had to learn that I might have to just let go of growing cucumbers, period. I don't know if I can find a variety that can survive um, down here, but I've, I've grown them at in the middle of summer, obviously it doesn't work. I grow them in winter, that doesn't work. Spring, I just don't understand what's going on with cucumbers, but I've, I'm learning that a lot of other people have the same issue. So they're coming out with some like warm type of varieties, but I haven't been able to get those seeds yet. So that's been my biggest thing is just like, how do I deal with all of the bugs that are constantly around for Florida? Right. So, but you, so you can, did you say you can grow pretty much year round in Florida or is it? You can grow pretty much year round. Like there are summer things that do work here. You're going to have to probably look more into like Caribbean gardens and things like that there. I met this lady from Cuba who had such a great plant list for summertime. For me, I just typically do um, mostly like butterfly peas or okra and maybe a cover of um, I can't, uh, peanuts. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite thing to grow? Like what, what, what's the thing that just does well for you? Tastes great. Oh, I am, I would say what grows the most for me is cabbage. That mm -hmm. uh, probably sounds so lame, but I, I've been able to grow so many different types of cabbages. Last year was red cabbage. And so for me, any sort of cabbage for me works. I don't, I've never had any issues with them um, as long as I put them in at the right time. Nice. And is your, 
you said your family, um, you growing up, uh, weren't like gardeners. Uh, mm -hmm. Has your family become interested? Are they wondering? Yeah. <laughs> now my mother has a garden so i'm just oh, okay. excited for that yeah. um and then my grandmother told me i never even knew this that she has she grows roses and i was like oh i never noticed when we go to the house because they're in las vegas so we're inside all the time we were never in a garden but um yeah it's been really interesting or them asking me like how to do more kind of an edible landscaping for them for my father in his backyard they want more edible plants for them there so it's been kind of cool to get them also interested yeah yeah well it seems like a lot of people are into landscaping like they but mm -hmm. they're, they're not they haven't made the connection that hey actually some of these could be edible or right it's nice to have more of your own berries or fruit trees or little garden right. um and i hope that changes do you do you are you optimistic that just kind of the general uh culture that's 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 changing you, you mentioned with like covid like some people are kind of you know noticing the importance of food security are you yeah. seeing this, this trend and it kind of going up oh yeah especially with younger people which that gives me a lot of hope um i mean i don't know how it is elsewhere but we do have a lot of people that like to grow fruit trees and stuff here at least from the calls that we get for help on these things and yeah. we do have a local place here it's called well, I don't know if I can say everybody, but they basically help people create native or edible landscaping if you want them to. Nice. I do see like more people just wanting to maximize the space that they do have for what they can grow. And it's nice. Nice. So are you, do you do consulting work uh, with regards to gardening or what? what? All of it would be through the Master Gardener program. Um, I don't like to do it personally because I just I have a full time job and I have other stuff I want to do. And I'm just like, I cannot do this all day and then go back and do another side business. I'm tired. Right, right. If you could, would you would you want to do it full time or is it I, happy, happy I would, part time? Honest, I would love to, but then also I feel like my chosen profession, which is marketing, is so I don't deal a lot with clients. Yeah. Because for me, I would be like, no, you need to grow this exactly this. Do not grow anything else. This is my <laughs> plan. And right. it's it's really hard to even just give like the free volunteer advice sometimes because I'm like, why are you growing this? Please take this out, kind of thing. So I guess if I set it up to where this is exactly what I do you know, maybe native plants, edible landscapes only, then maybe I would consider it. Right. If people were just to kind of like trust you, like, yeah, <laughs> take my word for it. This is, this is the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I noticed uh, you're on Twitter, your, your pin tweet, you have a, a list of like black owned farms and homesteads, like all over the United States. Um, mm -hmm. Tell me more about like kind of in the black community, you know, you know kind of the the trends of farming and homesteading and is it is it also in the black community have you seen like more and more interest with it oh yeah oh yeah i've definitely seen it i would say to a larger degree in georgia because that's where i was living the longest a little bit but um in the time that i've been here for the orlando area there's a black owned farm um maybe five minutes walking from me and they have two locations and they do consultations and things like that. And it's just so cool to see people, they, they're right in like, in a, right basically across the street from a project. So they're right in it and they get people from the neighborhood to help out and, and get more interested. I would say the trend that I see is it's less of a um, idea of, oh, you're broke, so you got to grow your own food kind of idea, because there is, and I don't want to speak for all Black people, but from what I get from some people that are Black, it's just like, oh, uh, you know, I can just go to the store, like, that's poor people stuff, you know, they they're, they want to dig themselves out of this old stuff. That's why I say, like, getting back to our roots, like, don't let this knowledge go, because you have so many people that I've personally known that will have some land, you know, from their families and stuff and do nothing with it. You know, yeah. so I do see more of an interest there, but I do see also the kind of reservations of, oh, you know, that's kind of like what we're trying to get away from. And I'm like, yeah, but then, 
you're going to leave space for other people to fill and then wonder why we have nothing, you know, collectively. So somebody has to do it, but there's so many people out there, as I noticed, you know, getting that list together that are really doing great things. Yeah. One thing that uh, conversations that come up a lot in doing rock rooms from space is that, you know, just the, just how satisfying it is to grow your own food. And, and even if it's just a small portion of, you know, uh, what you eat, Mm -hmm. it seems like we're we're missing something you know if we're so disconnected because I grew up also disconnected from food right like I, I I didn't really know where food came from or I had a very vague idea and I felt you know now that I've started like a little bit of my own food production too like it's definitely I, I feel like something was missing retroactively where I, I didn't know before that something was missing but th there certainly was and and so even beyond just like, oh, we need to grow our food because we're worried about, you know, uh, we, we want to be resilient. We're worried about problems in the food system. Uh, I, I think a lot of people just don't realize just how satisfying it can be and, and how good it is. Like if you have extra, you give it to your friends and neighbors and yeah. you can trade. Uh, it just seems to be such a such a valuable use of time to me that, and I didn't know that growing up. And I think a lot of people just, don't don't even haven't even thought in those terms yeah and i feel like that is the importance of you know really showing that just regular people are doing it i think people get intimidated sometimes with um, the larger farms that folks see sometimes online and stuff like that or even the idea of homesteading itself like I myself do not, you know, have a home. I'm in an apartment trying to do all of this stuff. So I want to show people that wherever space that you have, like try to maximize what you can do and try to learn what you can, utilize your community. And then, you know, if you want to build, like from personally, I would never want to have a farm. Never would want that. But it is very satisfying for me, you know, especially coming from super corporate environment to actually be able to put my hands in some dirt and grow something. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting that you mentioned that, that's, you know, and we've noticed this too, that just a lot of people do have some space and they haven't really thought about trying to maximize that space. And then you also have the flip side where people really want to garden or something and they just don't have the space. So they don't have access to any yeah. kind of land. Like maybe there's a community garden nearby that they can get involved with, but oftentimes there's not. Um, you do, do you do you run into that as well of like people who are who really want to and it's just you just can't afford to buy a place your apartment complex won't let you grow there and there's no community garden nearby yep yep then i say to people that at least try to find a community supported agricultural system a farm near and they do have a list um you can look online just for csas where you can get farm um basically like a box of food however they set up because some csas are for meat or dairy and things like that versus ones who are just vegetables and i would say go there then that could be your last kind of hope of like okay at least i'm supporting a farm i might not be growing but then i can get into fermentation or you know food preservation or you know using that food that you get from the csa or from a cheap food source and making your own spices or you know doing other things <clears throat> bread making, um, and I have a list here, I made a list, and just other things that you can do in the meantime um, until you're able to garden. And there's other things, um, hunting and foraging, maybe trying to get into foraging and learning about that. Or even if you have no space, you can grow mushrooms indoors. You can do that. So there's right. ways to get around it if you want to learn. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned all of these other things because Sometimes people think of the word homesteading and, and they think of just gardening. But as, as you said, there's all of the post-processing that mm -hmm. you can get into, you know, get some canning jars and um, uh, recipe books and, uh, you know, start experimenting with making more things from scratch um, and, you know, not, not just food as well. Uh, you mm -hmm. said you were getting into kind of like soaps and stuff or beauty care products. Yeah, so I made my own coconut oil. I had to realize why it's so expensive because it's a long time to make that stuff, but yeah. it's so worth it. And to find coconuts, that's difficult. But um, I do that. I also use my aloe for a hair gel that works really well. 
Um, I do make soaps and things like that. Sometimes like if you don't even want to, I tell people you can go to Michael's and buy a soap kit and make your own soap that way if you really just want to do that. But they also have lots of things online. I make candles as well. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of stuff you can do if you're just into, I, you know, DIY projects, you know, learning to sew, stuff like that. Yeah. One thing that, you know, if uh, sometimes we tell people if they have like an apartment complex, at least they have some kind of deck that gets some kind of sun is you can just get a bunch of like five gallon buckets mm -hmm. um, oil and just, you know, you can basically grow, you know, quite a bit of stuff in a little bit of space, um, you know, put a, put a few, put a few potatoes in, in a five gallon bucket, you know, mm -hmm. those are really easy to grow or herbs on the windowsill. Um, yeah. We're going to do that too. Do you, do you see, do you, um, if, if, if uh, you were advising kind of local or, you know, state or national policymakers on, you know, how they could support communities, people who, you know, to, to get involved with more local food production, do, do you think that there's just some really obvious things that, you know, if we're thinking about politics and, and you know, what we advocate for that, that you would recommend? I think starting super local at the HOA level with a lot of these also new builds and building into those um, areas, trying to have like maybe a community garden section of their gated community if they would like to have that. Um, I, I definitely think that is very important because a lot of the issues that I find with some homeowners is their HOA won't let them grow anything right. or they install things. Uh, we've noticed lately with a lot of new builds here in Florida that they install this particular palm that's so expensive and basically cannot grow. And most people are calling us about this palm. I had to look it up. And so I'm like, okay, we need to be able to talk to them, to the builders, to the HOAs, and you know, maybe some sort of policy like in Berlin where they have the little garden section area that people can buy in the community if they live in kind of a busy urban area like I do. Right. And um, something like that would be great. But yeah, just in, encouraging folks. Um, I think, I forget which country was just like giving away chickens and stuff like that. But yeah. there, there are just certain things you can do, but it's definitely with, since so many people do own homes and live in these kind of HOA situations, right. there should be some space for them to do more with, with, they, with what they have. Yeah, I think for many people, HOAs are a dirty word because <laughs> it's, it's not even that like HOAs in theory are bad. It's just kind of community governance, which makes sense. But it seems like the values of a lot of HOAs are, are really just for kind of some kind of aesthetic where, you know, mm -hmm. you said before, you know, growing food is almost like beneath you or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like a, a baby boomer thing where like like baby boomers, especially just wanted to get off the farm mm -hmm. and so and now they're in control of HOAs or I don't know what it is do you have a theory yeah. of like why they're so restrictive so much yeah yeah mm -hmm. it's that suburban ideal of everything looks the same I find the suburbs to be quite disgusting if I'm honest because everything just looks the same and everybody's house you know I think there was a show about that like little boxes you know stuff like that and I think some people that's ideal they want that and you know but some people don't and so it's like you have to fight with this organization that largely a lot of them have no idea they're they're relying on landscaping companies that are there to just keep everything pretty but not you know help you grow too much and lots of chemical usage and stuff like that so yeah yeah it seems like there's so much potential for suburbs in particular because you know, there's a lot of land available mm -hmm. in a lot of suburbs. Like if you have quarter acre, you know, that could be plenty of land to grow things. And it just seems like that's such a, you know, I, I can just envision an ideal future where the values changed, like people mm -hmm. actually wanted to grow and you could have suburbs teeming with local food production because there yeah. is there is the space. Um, it's not, not as much space as, as rural areas, but still there's still lots of space. Mm -hmm. um, there's a great book uh, by, I think, David Holmgren. Well, I, I haven't read it, but somebody interviewed him about it. Uh, where, uh, he was a co-founder of Permaculture, and he, he, he had a book called Retro Suburbia, which is basically like saying, hey, actually, the suburbs could be great. Uh, they don't have to be ugly and, you know, uniform. Like, mm -hmm. like look at, you have, you have some density, but then you also have some space, and it, it could be great. But 
that, that to me that seems like the lowest hanging fruit in terms of like if people's values changed you could mm -hmm. just do so much there yeah yeah and i think unfortunately it's going to kind of force the values to change because of the prices and changing and how things yeah. seem to be going so don't want to get too doom and gloom but but yeah, yeah. this is the doomer optimism podcast so <laughs> yeah i mean kind of the premise of this podcast is like we kind of see that our current uh you know economic system and political system is just not doing very well and you know there's a lot of environmental problems there's climate change there's mm -hmm. Uh, biodiversity loss, all of these things, there's issues about potential energy availability. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, oh man, like things aren't looking good in a lot of ways. But then the optimism part comes in where kind of what you've been expressing this whole time of like, you know, there's a lot of agency that you can find if, mm -hmm. if you want to take it, right? Even if right now you don't have land, you can do all of these other things to kind of start preparing and start making connections and stuff. And so that's, that's kind of like the premise of our podcast is like, um, you know, starting with uh, kind of a clear eye, like, oh, th things aren't so good, but not stopping there. Because stopping with the doom is also like a horrible place to be, you know, right. <laughs> you know it's just like, you don't want to just get depressed or hopeless or, you know, nothing can change because that's just self-fulfilling. Right. I completely agree with you. And that can really really um yeah stop people from actually trying to do anything it's um you know if you're just stuck in that for me that's this was the only way for me to get over that anxiety was to do something right right what do you think is like you mentioned people can like do small things in their home but what do you think is like the first if you were advising somebody who seemed kind of intimidated like, mm -hmm. is there something that you would tell them to grow or, or some process to do just to kind of like get over that initial uh, hesitation? Grow some herbs. Yeah. Just start out super simple. Parsley, I, I cannot kill parsley. She will not die. You can grow <laughs> that. Uh, you can grow basil. Basil for me, I'm, just, I'm on the fence. Basil, thyme, but just like a little herb kit. You can buy one of those you, and set it all up. And I have like a little bamboo or uh, kind of lighting system behind me. I also have a little greenhouse in my room and I just set everything up and uh, use the greenhouse as a seed starting station. And this one kind of will be my little herb station here. And I tell people, yeah, just start there. Start with making, making a bread loaf. Make one, see how you feel. Maybe doing quick pickles. Quick pickles are so good. They're so much better. You'll never eat regular pickles again. People are buying jars of pickles for $20 at home, Whole Foods, and you can buy just one little, you know, um, cucumber. Uh, and yeah, and you could do your own pickles, grow some dill. That'll be super easy. And, you know, just starting to kind of replace certain things, learn to cook. I tell people, if you don't already know how to cook, learn that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know for some people it's also hard because they they just don't feel like they have the time or the energy. Like if you if you work full time or even two jobs and and have kids and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if do you do you do you run into people like that or just like I just don't have the bandwidth to, to do this. Now, hmm, I have I don't have any children, and um, but I do meet people who do, and they are busy, but they seem to incorporate their kids into their gardening efforts, especially or their livestock efforts, and so that's a really good way to kind of get them into it, get some help, get an activity for them as well. I volunteer at a school where, yeah, that's what we're doing, helping kids like get into gardening. Um, so yeah, that's what we tell their parents if they're busy, you know, this is what you can do at home. Um, yeah, I would say it's hard because I, yeah, I also work from home, but I'm lucky I'm fully remote. So I am just home. So it's, I, I can't really too much relate to it, but that's the advice I would give. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And you've been, um, doing, uh, it seems like a lot of outreach, like you have your Twitter account. For example, I'm sure you 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 get a lot of feedback. Like a lot of people probably reach out to you. Like um, yeah, notice that your account is just you know you're always just kind of trying to give good advice uh, on like how you how you can grow something or 
experiences you've had. Do you want do you want to talk about like your interactions on social media and and, and how it's kind of interfaced with with this pro journey of yours? Yes. At first, I was just like, I'm going to take pictures of plants, and here's my blog. You know, so I never. I did. It was. Uh, I hate, I don't, well, I won't say I hate it, but the word influencer seems so weird, but that that's, I guess, what I am trying to do is to influence people to do something. But um, my interactions are largely positive. I do get a lot of questions uh, in my DMs, just like, how do I do this or how do I grow this or how do I start there? I do just try to post a lot of resource content uh, depending on the channel. So Twitter, I'll do a lot of just links and pictures or Instagram, I'll do videos or little instructions of what I'm growing right now. Same thing with TikTok. But, um, but yeah, I try to keep it as positive. I mean, sometimes I grow stuff that people are like, uh, like I grew cotton last year and I got a lot of like, why are you doing this? Why are you growing this? This seems so weird, but I'm just like, yeah, what plant, like we got to also reclaim the plants too. So, you know, it's just cotton. I can grow it. You can grow it. It's, you know, it, why separate ourselves from this, this amazing thing that you can do. Plus you can make your own stuff from your own cotton. I thought that was neat. But, um, but yeah, it's been largely positive and I just like to share people's stuff or amplify people's things or, you know, because there's so many people doing so much more than me. It's, that's all I can do is just help people find them. Nice. Nice. And, and um, you mentioned to me that, that you're, you're recently, you're on the board of hip, uh, organization Hip Hop is Green. Do you want to talk about what they're doing and, and how you're advising them and, or this? This for me has been so cool. I'm so excited about it. And um, I did talk to the founder. He's like this former, basically Hip Hop is Green is a plant-based organization or a hip hop organization. It's serving plant-based vegan meals to the community and they do tours. And they're also teaching a climate change curriculum in schools. They're based out of Seattle, but they have folks, I'm in Florida, obviously folks in DC and New York. And so they are super awesome. They have a, a farm in Seattle, Cherry Street Farm, where they're rebuilding and they have just so much for the kids in the community. They have about 100 kids in the program right now. And it's a 10 week program for students in the Seattle area to learn farming techniques. They have hydroponics and they have um, uh, what are those solar panels and things like that, trying to teach them like this complete ecosystem of growing things through the lens of hip hop. So they, yeah, they have like all these different elements of hip hop. And I knew maybe four before, and now with this 10th one about health and wellness, they're using that organization to basically come into communities, like I said, like Black Homesteader, like other Black organizations, but also through the music. Because, you know, a lot of the culture that we are around, it's not, we're not talking about gardening. We're not talking about that kind of stuff. And I just created this um, coloring book around this called Beats and Rhymes. And I realized looking for quotes and rap songs, I'm like, wow, we don't really positively talk about health or wellness. Very few artists, you know, that are mainstream. And I just, I'm so super excited to be about it because what I'm doing now is helping them with, on the marketing side, because that's what I do. And uh, that might be something I'd like to do going forward is just helping organizations that might need that marketing push. Um, yeah. yeah, without being having to pay some huge agencies. So um, going over their site for them, helping them get their social media plans together, helping them execute and, you know, interviewing their marketing um, agency that they want to hire on and also the plant knowledge and anything they need from me on that front as well. Nice. Nice. And you mentioned before, like the importance of kind of the hyper-local uh, HOAs and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, if you were, if you were, say, advising uh, a national politician or you know a party, of how they could support movements like this to to grow, and like, is there is there a role for the state, or is it just does it have to be independent of the of 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 the state? Is it is the state more of a hindrance, or <laughs> could it, it be? Was, a yeah. The state definitely is a hindrance. There's so many weird laws about like rain collection in different states and right. things like that. So Being able to, yeah. To be able to put more tiny homes, more more opening up land for tiny home buildings or for uh, container homes. Um, I would say, yeah, grants for that, grants for being able to get land or more grants to community organizations that are on the ground doing this work. It doesn't, there never seems to be enough money um, for that, but just actually helping people, low cost housing for people to get, um, opening up those programs, funding those programs, 
because they do exist. It's just the funding doesn't never seems to be there for that. So yeah, some of the policy directions would be, you know, our what over 50% of our budget is going to military spending. Maybe we should actually try to audit some of that at some point and see where all why does 50% of this money need to go there. There's just so much that we could pour back into it if we did, you know, investigate other parts of, you know, the so-called American interests. Like what are these interests? Can we, but in terms of actual policy, yeah, I would say looking into where we're currently spending and where we could be helping actual people. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you mentioned earlier on that when you were starting in a garden homesteading that you didn't see many other black folks doing it. Um, do you, do you have any thoughts about kind of like this, the whole, I guess the meme around homesteading, um, like, is it too white? Does it, does it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, do we need to rethink what it means given, you know, historical context and things like that. Do you have thoughts about that? I think we could certainly call it something else because of the historical uh, or the history of of surrounding homesteading, you know, basically giving away land that they didn't own to have people, you know, start these homesteads all over the country. The Homestead Act, for example, I think it was 1865, something like that. Um, So, yeah, so those negative connotations, maybe approaching it of sustainability or you know freeing yourself from the grocery store prices or something like that or helping out with climate change maybe packaging it in a different way to kind of get those away from that kind of history would be would be fine yeah 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 but it's definitely a white like, space <laughs> it's yeah no, it, it is it is and <laughs> you know it has been you know in our podcast and you know i, I want to change that but it, it, it just ha- it's just the truth that you know so many people that are into it just happen to be white and and it, I, i'm it would be you know i guess i'm very curious how you know like if we were to rebrand it um you know call it something else like i i guess i don't i don't know if i have a question but but like is there a pathway forward for like you know just to make both both on the accessibility end you know to make it land more accessible for you know, non-white people, but mm-hmm. as well as as well as just like people feeling like, oh, this is something that I can see myself doing. It's not just a white space. Do I see more? Well, yeah, I think that more people like seeing other people doing it, seeing people doing it with various incomes, because, you know, what I've noticed with some white people in the space is just like they'll casually own several thousand acres of land. I was just random to, talking to my manager and he's like, yeah, we grew up in 20,000 acres. Something that to me, I'm like, what? You know, I never met anybody uh, that was black. I'm sure they exist that had that kind of land, but it's just, mm-hmm. you know, as you see the stats, we're just very underrepresented, even just in farmers, you know, stuff like that. We have different ways, different options for loans that we get. A lot of predatory lending, it seems in the business, just period of just getting a loan to buy something when being able to save for it. So I feel like with a journey like mine to show people like, yep, I grew up, you know, lower middle, my mother was a teacher, my father's a therapist, but, but yeah, I didn't grow up with a whole lot of money and how somebody, especially a millennial where we're basically priced out of all of these markets for homes is trying to do something here. So at least if I can inspire folks from that angle, that would be great. But you know, and then also amplifying, like I said, again, just the people who are also in the doing so much more than me. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, uh, do you want to, are there other like uh, farmers organizations that you want to highlight? I know you have that whole list that you link to uh, in, in your pinned tweet, but what, what other inspirations have you taken from just, yeah, other farming organizations or I would say, and I'm going to have to probably go on my Instagram for that one. Um, goodness, I didn't, I didn't prepare a list for that. Yeah. Um, I do like, um, what is it? I would highlight the farm here. It's called, what is it called? It is a farm, Paramore in Orlando. It is called Infinite Zion Farms. Here in Orlando, they do a CSA and they have this uh, permaculture. It's this young black guy. I've never seen 
a young black permaculturist dude. He's he's dope. The guy that runs it is also super great. And what they do around the community is really great. They put a rooftop garden on the um, the uh, fire station here, which was pretty cool. And they have a lot of space in um, Apopka that's about 30 minutes north of Orlando, at least for me. And I, I just love their farm. They, they do classes, they help people come and learn. They have uh, volunteer days um, and just, it's just such a great resource. So yeah, Infinite Zion Farms would probably be the main one to highlight. And yeah, they have so much there if you're in the Florida area. Nice, nice. Would you recommend people who wanna support like black owned farms to like go to your list and like yeah. reach out or? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sure everybody on that list would love some love. So yeah. yeah, just seeing that they need help sometimes. Like if people are just like, oh, I have zero spaces and I can't do any of this. I just want to see, you know, and go visit, maybe go help out. There are what they call gleaning events around the country that you can sign up for and you can basically pick whatever the farmers are pretty much done with and help um, organization give them to the people that need it. So there's just so much people can do out there. And a lot of those farms on that list. Nice. Nice. Um, what else? Uh, are there any questions that, um, that you would like to be asked or you wish that, that, that we've missed or you wish somebody would ask you um, or things that is just in, in this general topic area that, that you want to talk about that we haven't mm -hmm. Sure, I would say that I would just want people to, well, no questions specifically, but what I really want people to know is that, you know, this this idea of homesteading or sustainable living is, is possible at any level. Um, even if you are physically unable to do a lot of this stuff, there's other ways like zero waste living. Um, that's something that I, I don't think we've gotten into a lot, like being able to use less plastic um, or even just changing your shopping habits. Of course, we can't consume our way out of this, but we could at least, you know, cut down on some of the ho hobbies that we do. A lot of us have already, like not going to the box store, just something like that, not supporting a lot of this stuff. Um, so yeah, I would just say when people ask me, you know, I would say what I want to highlight is is just that it it is possible just even if you have the interest. I think the point is that people, if you're already looking, then you'll find it. So there are definitely opportunities. And and while yes, you know, there's not a lot of black folks in the space, um, you know, the, the space is definitely growing. And if you are a white person with a bigger platform, you know, reach out to these smaller creators. A lot of times, um, you know, people will have partners and money behind them and they just have more time to market themselves. But there might be a creator that you see that you're not, you know, following in that space, um, that could use some amplification. And I do see that a lot too in the last uh, couple of years. And in fact, that people of these huge accounts of, you know, mostly white folks are now like really kind of amplifying the smaller, the smaller brands. So um, that would probably be my main thing to say, but I can't think of any particular questions to ask. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Well, maybe we can, maybe we can uh, just workshop live here. Uh, you mentioned that it would be be great to to interview the founder of, of Hip Hop is is Green. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, do you, do you want to just like hear hear live on air, just like workshop what kind of conversation you'd want to have with them? And yeah, for me, I would want to see what would what has the response uh, from the hip hop community been for a lot of his efforts because. You know, he, of course, you see like some of the older artists like Jada Kiss with the juice um, store up there, or you have like, uh, I think KRS One does a lot of work. The artist uh, Dead Prez, of course, I think, um, uh, I think Stick Man is up in Georgia doing a lot of good work. So there are people, I, I would want to see like, what has the response been from hip hop? What's the pushback that you've gotten? Um, you know, where where do you really want to go with a lot of this? Like, mm -hmm. um, especially with the whole vegan plant-based thing, like how has that reception been? You know, what's working, what's not? Um, do they plan to have a school curriculum like nationwide if available? 
yeah. I would say, and yeah, just how they got everything started, like how much it took to get to, like, where did this even spark? I would just love to see because for so long that I've listened to hip hop most of my life and I really rarely hear a lot of these messages. So yeah. it would just be nice to see like what, what's the truth, I guess. <laughs> right. Is it would, it, would it be a good thing if like a real mainstream hip hop artist started promoting this stuff or would that be like selling out or, or, or like, do you have a thoughts on? Some people are I like, oh, they just stay underground or. <laughs> no, it, and it shouldn't yeah. be because I know it's definitely an underground thing. You know, it's definitely an underground hip hop, of course. But it, it, yeah, I would love for more mainstream artists to to talk about this. I mean, you have, I think Maya, but I wouldn't, you know, classify her as hip hop or Khalees. She has a lot of stuff about cooking and stuff like that. And Maya's a vegan. And she does a lot of different courses and things. I think I saw one lady living in a tiny home and she was talking about that and have, you know, paring down a lot of her possessions. But yeah, that would be nice to kind of change the perception of this kind of consumption idea into sustainability and actually putting in work in the neighborhoods that we wouldn't have, you know, to have to write these songs about, you know? Right. So, yeah. yeah it, it seems like, I mean, because there's a lot of like, like large corporations kind of doing greenwashing these days or mm -hmm. like like green consumerism and stuff which as you said and I agree it's it's not the way out but it seems like because it, this getting popular actually means people getting their hands in the soil yeah. it would actually make a real difference because it's not just green consumption it's actually green production as well and making it like a broad scale movement exactly and and but i think that would be completely well, they can donate, but I do think it's going to have to all be mostly local things for local yeah. people. We're, we're not going to be able to eat everything like we always get to eat all the time. I think that will be the the real future of where it's going, which is fine. That's more in line with, you know, how we're supposed to be. We can't just always have everything we want all of the time. But I do, I do think that will be a problem. And, you know, some people will be the real the real deal and some people won't you know that that's just kind of how that goes it, it does seem but it would be nice for it to be a mainstream thing yeah. and yeah kind of uh switching topics a little bit um i want to you you mentioned veganism a couple of times i'm curious and then you've also mentioned people getting into like small-scale livestock mm -hmm. curious what your thoughts on like eating animal products, not from factory farms, but say raising chickens or a couple goats. Do you, do you have strong opinions either way on like that, you know, we really need to move towards like veganism or, or just, you know, small scale kind of animal husbandry kind of, kind of thing. I am for whatever people would like to do, but I would say that I personally couldn't kill an animal and eat it just because it just seems like really gross for me to do. But yeah, so that's yeah. why I probably have still stayed away from it. Cause I'm just like, if I can't do it, but some people can, they can hunt, they can, yeah. you know, do those things. And I'm like, that's, that's more of a sustainable thing rather than what we have right now. So I don't particularly mind. Cause I know a lot of people are vegan for the animals or vegan for the planet kind of vegans or, you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I would love to see more people have to, murder their food to, to get it you know earn you don't eat meat you actually have to do it <laughs> <laughs> right or yeah. go to the local person there are local or, um, yeah, local yeah vendor. yeah yeah and some people forget that there's a great little company i can't think of them right now they sent me this huge thing of meat a couple years ago and it was all from local farmers that they were able to get and it was all just it looked good i made it for my friends they loved it mm -hmm. so that's also that's an option but for me and i also just don't like the concept of eggs but um i'll i'll eat some fish from you know from now and again and yeah. i do miss cheese you know i miss cheese a lot so <laughs> i don't i don't mind the livestock thing or just having animals around in general because they could just be like good pets to have as well yeah yeah my my view on that is kind of i i do think that if we did move in that direction where you either had to produce your own meat or, or hunt, or you got it locally, you know, I, I think it is more I I expensive. And I, I think just in general, we would have to eat, you know, on average, much less meat, right? Mm -hmm. to, to do it sustainably. 
uh, do it the right way where like animals are integrated within say a agroecological system, you know, in a closed loop system um, or like a silvo pasture where they're grazing, rotationally grazing around trees and stuff to do it the right way. I just don't think we personally that we could maintain American diets of meat. Um, and in this, this, this conversation, like the national, the, like the, the battles between like the, you know, the uber carnivores and the vegans, I, I find it so frustrating because I just think that they're kind of both missing the point, right? Like, oh. yeah, I think we should all agree that like factory farming is really bad and it's unsustainable, uh, for a variety of reasons, but, um, you know, can, can, can we, can we find a more nuanced position here? Uh, right. I do. Yeah. I, I will say, I was thinking, um, in, when I was in Germany, I remember just steak being so much more expensive than everything else. And I was just like, whoa, that's really interesting because um, some stuff in the grocery stores, it's a little, I mean, yes, now it's expensive, but it was really just like a really big deal. It's a huge deal. And they were just so adamant about like everything's, well, not everything in season, of course, it's not perfect, but just a little bit more of an access to a more sustainable way of eating. I remember running into this company where they give you a picture of the animal that you are going to eventually get. And they tell, they show you how they raised it and everything. You can go to the farm and visit. And I just just like, this is okay. All right. Eat that pig. But I don't, I don't know if I want to know its name and all that stuff. <laughs> No, ready yeah. for all of that. Yeah. But I love stuff like that. And we had this amazing farmer's market, maybe a five minute walk for me every um, couple of days. That was just so, so awesome. That's also something there should be way more farmer's markets. And especially in a place like Orlando and Florida, I would think that more people would be growing stuff. But, but yeah, I, I definitely do think the way that we do eat now will definitely have to change. And I feel like a lot of Americans are probably gonna not be happy about that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. Um, I think I, I, yeah, I generally think that our way of life is not sustainable, and and a lot of people, I, I just don't like. A lot of people want to like, you know, like they care about the idea of sustainability, but yeah. they haven't processed yet, like what it actually means. It's not just like oh, we're going to unplug fossil fuels and plug in, you know, photovoltaics, solar panels, and it's right. going to be fine. Like, like there, no way, right? It's just, that's right. just not how it works. If you look at the whole kind of the whole system and, and just a lot of people haven't processed that, that yet. And, but, but at the same time, you know, I, one thing I'm, you know, I love about accounts like yours that you're just, you're just showing kind of the joy of doing it is that it's, it's actually doesn't have to, you know, it's actually not, doesn't have to be depressing right it can actually mm -hmm. be like your life could actually be much more meaningful this way um there's just a lot more kind of uh groundedness with in connection with the earth and um and it can actually be a much better way to live and many maybe many of the societal problems we have with like mental illness and things like that you know could be that could that could help ameliorate those things and and so it's, yeah. it's both kind of like a shock to you know it seems like it'll be a shock to a lot of people, but at the same time, you know, it, it could be, if there's a paradigm shift, you know, mm -hmm. it could be like, actually, oh, why didn't, why didn't we think about this earlier? Or why didn't we pursue this earlier? Oh yeah, I agree with you. And I think that I was just talking about on Twitter, like I meet so many people who have these hardcore corporate jobs who are now like homesteaders and gardeners and totally right. into that kind of lifestyle. And I get it because for me, for a long time, I never felt like, like what is, I had no meaning. My job was my meaning and that was it. I came out of finance. I worked at AIG in 2008. That was, you know, a horrible time to be working in that thing in that company and yeah. and I, yeah i had a completely different mindset when i turned 18 i registered to be a republican and i was going to work on wall street and i was going to have all the money you know i was ready to go i had never thought about if i would have said it at my age now that i would be you know my highlight of my day is going to go put my hands in some dirt i would have told you that you were crazy yeah. and yeah but i do feel like now that now that people are searching for these answers, there's a lot of people who are searching for meaning in their lives, you know, so hopefully, you know, being able to 
meet them where they are, you know, and, and, and let them know that this, this can be meaningful. And the friends that I've gotten into it, um, uh, a partner that I had, had never gotten into gardening, but was just completely into it after that. Like, oh, I really like this. Like, oh, I thought this was just, as I was always referred to as the hippie broad, you know, hippie, right. <laughs> hippie stuff. And sure. I would have said that too, you know, I, I, my father still was making fun of me for basically becoming a hippie in, the, in his eyes, um, you know, so it, but uh, it does kind of give you meaning. And now he's offering gardening at his rehab. So I'm like, see <laughs> so this hippie did something and you know so i but i i think that for me just having to kind of lose that life you know and lose that idea of myself and then also leaving the country and losing that identity of myself is what kind of stripped it all down and was just like what really matters for me and you know not everybody's gonna go through that i hope not the extreme that i had to go through but you know, you do see more people just like, what else is there? Or at least how can I save money? That's a lot. I feel like where a lot of people will find homesteading. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, I mean, the calculation I kind of make is, well, if I were to like bill my time for doing this, um, it, I probably wouldn't be able to bill really high, but it's like, what am I, what else am I going to do with my time? Like I am saving money because, mm -hmm. you know, we're producing a lot of our own things. I'm also putting a lot of time into it, but I'm finding that like, it's the highlight of my day. And mm -hmm. so it's actually like, what else would I be doing? Like watching TV, playing video games, like going to, a, you know, going to a, a wine bar, like mm -hmm. those things are fine, but it, like, this is actually what I want to be doing most of the time. Exactly. Yeah. And I, th that goes back to your point when you were talking about what people don't find the time. I, I kind of push back on that. I would say, well, what are you doing right now? Sometimes you're, you're right, you're spinning it at a bar, you're spinning it playing video games, you're spinning it watching sports, you know, could you maybe cut out some things, you know, I don't know every single TV show that's out there right now, but I talk to my coworkers, I swear they just watch TV all day, and I'm thinking, you know, with all that time that you might be spending on these things, perhaps, you know, this can be something, or at least, you know, trying to get back to your community, if all of that is still just too much for you, you know, just trying to get more involved. And, and I think that's also important, being able to have that that community. I've seen some articles about people, you know, loneliness, this rise of loneliness. And I'm like, that also is something that homesteading can do, can really help you get involved with the people around you, get to know your neighbors. I never knew my neighbors before COVID. And we all started just deciding we should talk to each other. We should actually know who lives next to us. You know, how weird. Yeah, nice. Um, you mentioned, uh, like going to farmer's markets and I think you mentioned CSA as well. Do you have thoughts about kind of like in terms of, you know, both in the production side, like individual farms or, or, or farming cooperatives or community gardens or, you know, and then on the distribution side, farmer's markets, CSAs, do, have you, do you have thoughts? Do you have experiences about like what you've seen it have been really successful, both to like give people access, you know, make it a community events, um, kind of convivial, um, and also just effective? I have seen at least the market side be really effective. There is a, a nice small one where it's just like, oh, you have the kind of the same vendors and they make it easy for you to actually help get your, um, your uh, own little station if you want. You just made me think there was this garden that I visited in, um, Arizona and they give their space for community gardeners to basically help them get to a farmer's market. And I thought that was just the coolest thing ever. Like they help them process their veggies. They help them learn how to grow, figure out what to grow and like figure out how to make some money from that. And they'll let you basically rent that land for them at the cheapest price period. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that's really cool too. It's just actually getting more people into it or even cooperative farms. You know, I think that might have to be the way for me personally about how I'm able to afford a place is probably going to be more of a cooperative endeavor rather than something I do just with me or with a partner or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Because it seems like, like you mentioned before, especially millennials, like a lot of millennials just do not have capital. They, they, they mm -hmm. you know, they can't own homes. They mm -hmm. certainly couldn't buy acres of land to farm. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, I'm always thinking about like, what are innovative ways that our generation and younger can 
figure out how to, you know, collaboratively, you know, make it happen for ourselves, right? And because there are there are barriers that you know um, maybe weren't there for previous generations. Mm -hmm. That's still a lot. Also, opportunities as well. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's it's definitely a lot, and I do love the cooperative um, model of you know organizing ourselves for for businesses and things like that. I think it's super great. I listen to a lot of Richard Wolf on YouTube, and I love how they highlight different cooperatives around the world. He's like the Marxist economist. He's great, but yeah, actually seeing solutions and seeing people set up their their businesses like that. It's that's also something that interests me because a lot of my kind of corporate friends are just like you do this for free you don't want to earn money you don't want to like do this or why don't you have this or why don't you go bigger or why would you want to have an equal share of profit for people like a lot of folks just can't even think their way out of their current way of thinking or understand that you know maybe i don't want to be the rich boss on top maybe i want to have everybody you know involved and can equal share from this so i do think farmers markets are great csas are even better uh because you can reach more people and they don't have to get in their cars and drive especially if they can't mm -hmm. um so yeah i think both are great because the community part for the farmer's garden is great just to get people out and about and meeting other folks but however you can get fresh fruit and vegetables to folks it's great nice yeah here um i'm in western north carolina and in our town we have what's called a food hub which it's pretty cool. Like they, they're kind of a, I guess a distributor. Basically, they, you know, you you order online. You order kind of a basket of things you want, and then one day a week, and then that order goes to the farmers, the local farmers, mm -hmm. and one day a week you pick it up. I mean, I guess the, the the one downside with it is that unlike a farmers market, you're not just kind of like hanging out and like talking to people as much. It's more just right. like you you come in your car and you go pick it up. Um, but it is in terms of just like you know, making it super easy for farmers to know, okay, like how many heads of lettuce or, you know, how many dozens of eggs do we need to deliver today uh, and getting it, it, it's effective that way. So there's, it's almost like, I'm, there's like a trade-off there of like, it's yeah. like super efficient, but then you don't, you don't have the community aspect. And so it's like, you're kind of cutting out things by being efficient in a very economic sense. Right, right. Right. Western North Carolina. That's pretty cool. I, I love North Carolina. I, Asheville's my favorite little place down south. I love that area. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm in I'm in the Boone area, which is about two hours north of Asheville. OK, I think yeah. I've seen it on a map. Uh, yeah, I used to date somebody in uh, Raleigh, Durham. I love North Carolina. I think it's yeah. a great little area, especially Raleigh, Durham area, too. That's yeah. Just, yeah favorite place. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, if you've heard of App State, where App State is in Boone. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm more curious about you now. Like, so you're able to, <laughs> yeah. like, are there a lot of people growing stuff up there where you are? Um, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely a local food movement here. It's, it's much bigger in Asheville. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's huge in Asheville. Uh, you know, we're much smaller, like there's only 20,000 permanent residents in Boone proper and then, you know, more out in the county, but not not very much. And then you have 20,000 students who mm -hmm. but they're not they're not permanent. And so it's it's just much smaller. But, you know, I, I teach in a department uh, at App State that, you know, focuses a lot on local food and mm -hmm. agroecology and things. And, you know, there's definitely like we have farmers markets, we have the food hub, we have we just have a, a new shop opened in town in the university that like tries to sell as many local products as they can. Um, and, you know, we're trying to get more people interested. Of course, the, the big bottleneck is land availability. Right. right. We also have high real estate prices because a lot of second homers, many of them from Florida or mm -hmm. Charleston or something, want to come up and have their second or third home and, and it raises mm -hmm. the price of land. And um, But at the same, so there's, there's the, like these constraints of like, young people not being able to get on. But at the same time, a lot of the people who do own land and are farming it like are getting really, really old. Like they're in their eighties, seventies and eighties at this point. And so I think that there's gonna be a big turnover. So the question is, is all that land gonna be bought up and turned into condos or is is it gonna go into a younger generation of, of farmers with with new ideas about, you know, how do we steward the land well and uh, grow good food? And that's the big question. And we're trying to, 
you know, hopefully tilt it in, in the direction of, you know, right. more local food. Yeah. That's so wild. That does remind me. I had a friend I met here who he's in his seventies. He's from Alabama and he has about 40,000 acres and none of his kids are interested in, in doing anything with that land. And it just breaks my heart. And I'm just like, I, I'll take, I'll take a few thousand acres. <laughs> No, please yeah. give it to me. But it's just it there it does seem to be this disconnect with those who do seem to have it and the younger ones that just don't care. So I'm glad that people are interested in, in reconnecting them. Yeah. It would be interesting if there was a program to match people who who like you you know have a lot of land or farmers and their mm -hmm. kids aren't interested, but they wanna mm -hmm. they wanna keep it, you know farming and but they don't want to just give it to anybody and then maybe match that with you know programs of, of young people who are you know taking a master gardeners course or taking a permaculture design course or or, or whatever it happens to be and you know working uh in other situations where they don't own the land but then once they're they're ready and it's like okay it's a clear match where this person is willing and able and this person mm -hmm. like wants to continue you know, a good use of the land. It seems like there's a huge opportunity there. There is an organization, I feel so bad that I am forgetting their name, but they do have people who are able to, they donate land or they, you know, let them buy it at whatever price that they agree on. And then they have different states where people sign up and try to get that land if they're able to basically write a little proposal of what they want to do with it. Mm -hmm. And I am so sad. I hope, I hope those folks are listening. But if I get that information, I'll have to send it over to you. But yeah, I, we, we can put it in the show notes. All, all the all the links of like organizations we talk about, we can put in the show notes. So if people want to follow up with that. Yeah, yeah. But that's it is a great idea. It's just yeah, finding the people. They don't have anything in Florida right now, and yeah. I think I'll be here for a couple more years before it sinks. So. Well, who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm scared about it. I was just like, do you guys not see the writing on the wall here? Are like, you near uh, the coast, or are you in a place that is prone to flooding? When it oh, I'm in Orlando, and I just already see what's going on with Miami. Plus, we have like sinkholes, and the way they build homes here, they just kind of put everything on a mound of dirt. And yeah. you've, you've seen stories with large sinkholes and things like that. And mm -hmm. um, it's probably why I'm not too sad I haven't purchased a home yet, because I'm not sure if I want it to be in Florida. Okay. Um, I think because my friend and I were thinking, well, with the coming like changes in climate and things, you know, getting a little bit more um, precarious, like where would we live? And I'm just like, oh, maybe, maybe Georgia. I don't know. Cause I, yeah. So I'm, I definitely don't think I'll be in Florida for my whole life at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's interesting to try and game out like where in 30 years, you know, right. best place in my old age to kind of weather these storms. Um, and it's hard to predict, right? It's right. I mean, Florida, I, I personally probably wouldn't want to buy a home in Florida either. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, well, great. Well, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, just for the audience, um, we're going to be interviewing uh, uh, the, the head or, or, or one of, you know, people involved yeah. with Hip Hop is Green. At some point, we just need to get that set up and find a time. Yeah. So, yeah. So for the audience, look forward to that. Um, are there any last words or uh, yeah. before we wrap up? I really appreciate this. Everybody that I mentioned it to sound, they're like, that sounds like a great podcast. And I was just telling cool. my coworkers today. So yeah, I just think that this is, this is great. I really appreciate it. And I love cool. what you do. Well, thank you. And yeah, and I, I look forward to yeah, having you uh, help host in the in the future, I think it would be great to yeah just connect with some of these organizations doing great work. So I look forward to it. All right. Well, have a great rest of your night. And... Yeah. Take care. Until next time. Okay. Bye. Bye.